Welcome to the Effort Discussion Podcast, <laughs> the only show on the internet where we talk about the only, the things, the things that we talk about <laughs> in the order that we talk about them. My name is Tim Blay. I'm Tom Zalatne. We've got a very special, uh, cool, um, curious guest with us. Um, um, we're hoping that we can draw on some of her curiosity oh. to bring us to uh, de- depths unknown in the podcast today. Mm-hmm. We've got live from across the pond, it's Ines Laura Dawson of Draw Curiosity. Welcome. Thank you so much. What a wonderful welcome with such a lovely song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping I didn't peek too much. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. There was, a, there, was some, there was some feeding feeding back going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. How's how's your day going? Uh, my my day's going pretty well. Um, I will admit, there's not been very much to it yet. Um, so you know, this is definitely the highlight of it. <laughs> mm. Well, that's that's good, and we've only just started, so it was all it was was our glorious singing. Yeah, our wonderful, <laughs> majestic voices. So I was, you know, we were thinking about how you are German and living in London. Is that right? Uh, I'm well, technically Spanish, um, oh. but living in Oxford. But well, London is close to Oxford. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were German. Why did I think you were German? I don't know. Yeah, fair a, enough. I have heard pe- people in Spain always think I'm German because hmm. I look at because my parents are British, so I don't quite look um, that Spanish. So, but... like German Germany is the closest place that where people tend to look British. Is that how it works? I... I guess so. I know my mum's half Greek, so maybe if you do a very funky average of where <laughs> geographically you would be, you land up in Ger- Germany, perhaps. Yeah, uh, you, fair enough. You're the biologist, so uh, I mean... <laughs> well, I feel silly, because I thought you were German, and so I was thinking about, you know, mice immigrating from Germany to America, but in retrospect, that movie is also about Russian mice, so clearly I just don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. <laughs> 
I mean, ich kann ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen. I can speak a little bit of German, but Bam. that's about it. There we go. Okay, slightly redeemed. You're regular, like regular cosmopolitan. <laughs> so how many languages do you speak then? Um, so I'm fully bilingual in English and Spanish. Okay. We did some German at school. We did some French, although my French is definitely relegated to just understanding it. Um, and I also learned some Japanese whilst I was at school with one of my best friends. Cool. And I also know a little bit of Indonesian and Malay, but I've forgotten most of it now, but I used to love the language. Sweet. Mm. Are, you, are, are languages of interest to you? Like, is that something that you, you take a, a particular, I don't know, you take time to learn about them? Yeah, I really, really love uh, learning languages, actually. I recognize that since going to university, I've not really had as much time. I've had time to buy books about mm. languages, but not actually learn them. Um, but I always tell people it's a fun thing to do because you, you learn a bit more background and to a degree, just the way a different language expresses things um, or things that they consider important, such as important phrases, or even the way they construct a sentence actually makes you see things from a different perspective, which sounds so cliche, but I love it. Mm. Do, do you know anything about like the, the evolution of languages, being an evolutionary biologist type person? Because that's something that I've been wanting to know more about. I came across an article the other day about Beauty and the Beast, because Beauty and the Beast is being released. And they were saying that the story of Beauty and the Beast is like 5,000 years old, at least. Well, it's in the Bible. <laughs> you never mm. read the Bible? Beauty I've, and the Beat? No, no, I've, 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 not, I've, I've not read that You've in the not. Bible. It must be in the Protestant version. Yeah, but it's in the Protestant apocrypha. But they they can like trace the like the story of Beauty and the Beast through like the different versions that are present in different languages, like all the way back to like Proto Indo European, which I think is pretty crazy. So like that got me thinking about how how do languages evolve, and is there a similar like actual mechanism for their, them evolving in specific ways the way there is for biology? I don't know if you know anything about that. Um, I feel I should know more about the subject because I do have lots of linguist friends and my parents are also, well, basically linguists. My dad knows a lot about how etymologies evolved. Mm. I think there is a large parallelism with, I guess, phylogenetic trees and how organisms evolve. I see it a little bit more like how bacteria do because you do get languages that sort of give words um, to each other. So mm. like, I don't know, lame example, but karaoke, um, which comes from Japanese sort of, it's a word that's used there right now, but we've acquired it. And that makes me think of bacteria conjugating and passing right. genes horizontally. <laughs> um, I feel this is the geekiest metaphor I've ever made. <laughs> I th there's also like, you could think about like the the sort of nature or like like the environment for a language is kind of the like human society right so you could think about the fact that there are like ecological niches for languages or for, for words say and like if if there is a lexical gap in a language probably eventually something's going to like evolve to fill it that's absolutely true and what an interesting way of putting it um so i never remember which languages these are but i know different languages may have more or fewer terms for green, which some people have tried to attribute to possibilities and actual differences in colour perception mm. that those people have. Um, but I often think about it just sort of differences between English and Spanish, such as the verb to tickle. Um, in Spanish, we don't have a verb to tickle. We actually have cosquillas, which are, I don't know, to have 
tickles. There's no exact to, to translation. Have, what, what is that, to have tickles? So it would be tengo cosquillas. So okay. I am ticklish is like I have these cosquillas. Um, oh, and okay. hacer cosquillas are to make them. Um, <laughs> to make tickles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny because, you know, in, in Spain, it's something that you have. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> in English, it's something that I guess you are or you do. <laughs> well, I guess like in English, like we don't talk about like I am not itching. Usually I have an itch, right? I mean, I yeah. guess you could say that I'm itching, but you, you don't really. But yeah, you maybe but, say it colloquially, like "Oh man, I'm really itching for a burger right now." <laughs> but you don't say like, you know, "Ooh, uh, I, I'm in ants currently." But I and can't I'm itching. I, yeah, I can't itch you. Like, I, there's no verb for making you itch. Right? Yeah. Which Except maybe, maybe like I put ants on you. Yeah, <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we want to have a word for that. If they they say that language affects the way you think. If there's a word for putting ants on people. Maybe that's and so just something... the Anglo-Saxons, the society that is capable of making others itchy, making the fake illness of Morgellons a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you uh, you study flight patterns bir- in bir- birds, bugs, bats, and and Beetlejuice. <laughs> um, so what the kind of official title is? I look at the kinematics of insect flight in three flies. Uh, what this really means is I look at how flies move and bend their wings as they flap them. Mm. Only only three of can... them, though, right? Like you have three flies, like like three species of flies, or you just have three really close fly friends? <laughs> oh, uh, three three species of flies. Um, <laughs> definitely got, <laughs> definitely got more it's than three. It's a very short-term three. research. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, I was considering how... I, how little temporally data I must actually have. Because even though you have thousands of wing beats for each fly, because you can cram about 200 of them in a second. Yeesh. Um, I've not, not done the full math, but I've definitely only got about a few minutes of flight sequence in total across all of them. Are you like, uh-huh. are you simulating like insect flight or what's your, what's your data? Uh, so the data is empirical, but actually the next step of what I'm going to be doing now um, I'm doing something that's called a blade element model, where essentially you calculate the forces that different bits of the wing are producing. And you can also get a sort of empirical estimate of that. And basically, if you get it right, you can safely say that you've cracked the way that flies probably produce lift as they mm. fly. And if you get that right, you can then actually put in different flight patterns from different species because they do move their wings differently because ecologically they behave differently. And I think that would be really interesting to see if in a theoretical world, could we actually make these fly species fly better if they did have the ability to move their wings in this different way? Well, like a little like fly flight training school. Yeah. <laughs> like they have to spend 10,000 hours training with you before they're allowed to fly. Or you just like body mod them. So like, could you, could you do that like the way you like your video on i just watched your video on cyborg beetles um and it, it first of all that's crazy and mildly terrifying especially that they're like commercially available cy- cyborg cockroaches that freaked me out um <laughs> but could you could you do that kind of thing to modify like behaviors of of flies or would you have to like completely change like the muscle structure um so that's what i don't entirely know so behaviorally I think a lot of it is going to depend on how much of how you move the wing is sort of an active muscle choice. Mm. 
Flies are actually renowned for having a really cool but really complicated wing base. They actually have a gear system and they can cl- <laughs> they can click their wings like in first gear, second gear and third gear. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but we don't fully understand. That's what my PhD, my other PhD friend who started at the same time as me, he looks at that and I don't know, you can sort of predict how the wing is going to move, but there's no... If you're in gear two, it's not 100% looking different to gear three or gear one. It's just more likely to look a particular way. So you can't actually tell from the flight pattern what gear they're in? Um, you can make an 80% chance guess, I think. Mm. Um, but it does show that kind of the mus- the wing base structure is really complicated. So I think a lot of the way they maybe move their wings through space is partially determined to just having hard bits of wing-based structure there that guides the wing in that Mm. way, which is probably better for their purposes. Um, But if you took all of that away, I do wonder how their flight patterns would change. And I did actually try to do that. Um, But it turns out I'm not very good at dissecting wing bases out of fly. So as you may guess, they just don't really want to fly afterwards. (laughs) It's like they might potentially be able to do it, but you've taken away all of their like value structure that would empower them to fly. (laughs) They're like really discouraged. (laughs) Sad (laughs) flies now. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, I, I I would sort of, my guess would be that prob. I mean, yeah, you, like you'd have to make some sort of anatomical change because you'd, you'd think that they're, you know, if there's a way they could just modify their behavior and fly better, evolution would push them to that pretty fast. I mean, I'm thinking just in terms of, and I'm sorry for introducing massive jargon here. So we call the stroke plane angle, uh, basically the angle with respect to your body or horizontal that your, um, that your arm does so maybe if you flap your wings where you are you'd probably like flap them up and down right which is a dumb way to lift to to fly because you're just pushing air up and then down oh you're not going to get anywhere it's actually good if you're a hummingbird um or if you're a hoverfly but hoverflies actually do it sort of they flap horizontally but you like twist you like twist your wings if you fly them up and if you flap them up and down right uh, yeah, they always twist their wings in kind of a little figure of eight pattern. Yeah, there, there's something similar to that in uh, in kayaking. If you, I don't know, if any of you, <laughs> but there's there's this thing called a J stroke, which you, where you're basically doing that, like you're you're not letting your your paddle out of the water, but you're like pulling really hard in one direction and then turning it 90 degrees to bring it back, so you kind of get this back and forth motion. You know, I'd never thought of that. I've not kayaked in ages. And I'm definitely <laughs> not any good at it. Um, but I always appreciated their curved shape and thinking, yeah, you know, I'm going so much quicker right now. But I don't know this had a that had a name for their stroke. So, so how does that work? Does it have Does it have to do with like the way that this? So I'm not a scientist, so I'm trying to like wrap my mind around this. Um, <clears throat> flapping them in, a, in at like an angle, I guess, on the way back up affects how much wind resistance comes against them as they pass through it so that there's not as much drag backward as they get ready to flap down again? Sorry. In the case of hummingbirds or, say, a hoverfly that wants to stay put, you get these horizontal or vertical straight plane angles because it's very easy to produce forces that kind of produce a net lift or forwards and backwards of zero, meaning they, they can easily stay put. And then when I look at blowflies, which are another flight species, 
uh, fly species I look at, and they actually fly really quickly forwards. Mm. Um, can't remember the exact angle off the top of my head, but it could easily be something like 45. So the way the forces are produced is they actually are thrusted forwards um, quite quickly, but they're not very good at hovering at all mm. unless they're actually going upwards, but that's not hovering. Okay. Those like little insects that can fly, are they are they doing an up and down or like a, a back and forth thing? Uh, which ones? Sorry. Um, what what are those? I don't know. Like Bees? Th- those those flies that are really good at just like sticking in midair. Uh, those are probably those are probably hoverflies. So the hoverflies we work with, um, the ones that look like bees, mm-hmm. they they have a very horizontal straight plane angle. But I have read that there are other species that have vertical ones. Or there are hovering species that do have vertical ones. And the other cool thing they do is they do these saccades, which basically means they dart very quickly horizontally from one position to another. Right. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen that, like, especially, yeah, it's it's like your fly is there and it's like perfectly still in the air, which is really weird. And then suddenly it's over. Like hummingbirds mm. sort of do a similar movement. Yeah, it's eerie. Yeah, it is. It's a little frightening. <laughs> Well, <laughs> my brain's a little wrinkled. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what what are you thinking about these days? What's what's on your brain? Are there any like problems you're trying to solve, or like fascinating bits, mysteries you're trying to unravel? Um, so, with regards to my PhD, it's just generally how am I going to finish this this year? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is on every PhD student mind. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Are you? How many years have you been doing your PhD? Um, so at, at Oxford, they're very strict with the deadline. So it's mm. one of these one plus three year programs, which means that your first year was more like a master's and you got to shop around different labs and do some short rotation projects and then you commit to one. Okay. You've got three years to do it. Um. Technically, I've got to hand in between September and December, I think. That's like just scarily close. <laughs> yeah, that's that's mildly yeah. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> like, like the the North American universities are like, we're gonna stop funding you at year seven, but until then, you can pretty much you know take as long as you need to. Is that year seven of working on the same PhD? Of working on the P- and that's like not even with the masters. Like oh you do it usually at least at like a two year masters. And oh, then, wow. Yeah, like I, I have friends who have been doing PhD. Like I have a friend who's been doing his PhD for like eight years now. Uh, um, and that's really stressing him out because now they're not funding him anymore. But it's mm-hmm. like you got to you got to produce something. Yeah. How long? Uh, our friend Holly just got her PhD yesterday, I think. Congratulations, Holly. How long was she working on that for? It was that was a, a that was a poli sci PhD. So that might I don't know if that they have different standards. Okay. It, was, it wasn't that long, I don't think. Right. Because I feel like it was like as long as i've known her but that's not that long yeah and then in philosophy it feels like people can go away for like 15 years and then come back and write their thesis because like you don't really need funding you just gotta eventually do it that's really interesting because it's nothing nothing like that here but i also feel that um in the u.s and maybe uh canada that i think people do more teaching and sort of there's more there's more jobs that you take on that's probably true. So you're you're not doing like TA stuff and like instructing and all that kind of thing. Aside from you know what you do on YouTube, obviously. Um, I'm 
technically trained to, but the only thing I've actually done in the end was I invigilated some exams. Mm. Oh yeah, I did I did demonstrate a lab practical once. It was actually an adorable lab practical because it was teaching animal behaviour using chicks. So you had all of these undergraduates with all these adorable chicks and they had to they had to make a simple experiment that, you know, increased the welfare of the chicks, like giving them baby uh, baby chick plushies or a mirror so they didn't feel so lonely in oh, their arena. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm just picturing all these little chicks like so happy to be played with by university students. I don't think I'd be able to tell if a chick was happy. You can't tell if people are happy. That's true. Robot. Hey. Hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the chicks do this little peep. They peep, so the more often they peep, the more likely they are to be unhappy. Mm. So if you get your chick to be really quiet or just like peep once a minute, then that's really good. Chicks should be seen and not heard. <laughs> I Tim. guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was. I was that. just. Do, do not take that out of context and put it on Twitter. <laughs> Someone make us a gif. That was not what I meant. Uh, yeah, that that could be. Yeah, there could be some pretty horrible. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we could have chicks here? Do you think what? if we got some some urban chickens at our house? We have a tiny chicken around that we we squeeze occasionally to make obnoxious noises. Ah. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. Uh, so, what are you? Uh, yeah, but but like, what are you? What are you thinking about about in the more general sphere? I think maybe what I want to ask you is how do you come up with ideas? Because every time I watch your videos, I'm like, that is a fascinating like whole field of something that I didn't know existed. So like, I I love that your channel exists. If I can plug draw curiosity to our listeners for a minute because like it's it's conceptual biology in a way that i i haven't seen a lot of other ways like you're you're being introduced to the like the how and the why as opposed to a lot of a lot of the time like science videos that do biology is is a a lot more just the what it's like the bare Mm -hmm. facts of the thing um or you know like news is like that a lot of the time um so, like, is this just stuff that you you come across in your research, or how do you seek out these like conceptual frameworks or like interesting ideas? Oh well, first of all, thank you so much. It always means a lot when someone when someone says nice things about what I make. <laughs> well, you're um, quite welcome. The actual, I guess, the theoretical side. So, I did my undergraduate here as well. I basically just stayed on. And I really loved, <clears throat> sorry, uh, frog in my throat. <laughs> you really love the frog in your throat. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's actually what inspires me, whispers <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so theoretical biology-wise, so the things like how did sexes evolve and inclusive fitness, mm-hmm. all of that came from my tutor and the module of evolutionary biology. Um, I think Oxford has a strong thing of you have to be able to justify everything or understand where hypotheses come from Mm. and it's something that I personally love because one of the best and worst things about me as a student was I would not be happy with an essay or with something I was studying until I understood you know not just the what but actually precisely how and why Mm. something came about yeah and quite often I would feel like wow that was such a cool story and I spent three days learning it so (laughs) now I thought 
you know what? That could inspire a Draw Curiosity episode. Mm. Um, and then other ideas. So not everything I do is sort of uh, the annals of evolutionary biology. Some no. things are a bit more mundane, but usually, I don't know, I read quite a bit um, or sometimes my friends will ask me questions and then that just kind of sparks a little idea and I have this note on my phone called the big list of video ideas and I just add it there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, what, what you describe as mundane I think is, is not necessarily the average mundanities mm-hmm. like your, your mundane is here's a, a thing that is kind of mind-blowing but not utterly world-shattering and mo- <laughs> a lot of people's mundane is like I'm gonna watch an entire season of the American Bible Trivia Challenge on Netflix. Not a bad show. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. They got Kirk Franklin as the musical co-host for season two. Could be worse. Could I've, You can always make things worse. I think that's a truism of life. Absolutely. If, if I'm allowed to sort of uh, bounce back questions I get asked, I would yeah. also love to know where you get um, your your lyrics for your songs. I mean, I'm listening and watching and I'm like oh my god this is so clever I love it so much where do they come from how do you come up with it I actually write 100% of the lyrics for Tim that's a a little known secret mm, a little known secret that Tom has decided to make true in this in this moment (laughs) hashtag fake news hashtag thanks Obama hashtag hashtag um I don't I don't know it's just it's just time it's just like I don't know. I I like when you said that you you know you'll take three days to understand a minor point because like I really resonate with that. Like it's I don't know. Richard Feynman always used to say that like like people said Richard Feynman actually learned fairly slowly and pe- he would get like people would get really annoyed with him because he just kept asking questions <laughs> like long after everybody else was nodding their heads and being like yeah we get it and then he would ask them a question that showed they totally didn't get it um so i think it's it's very easy to fool yourself and think like uh, yeah okay i understand that um so it's it's yeah it's cool that you can do that so i think i i have a bit of a similar process where like to write the mundane like i'm 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 trying to just explain the basics of a lot of things right because when you're when you're doing a song you have very limited word count like you look at I mean, even the latest one, the, the like exoplanets, it's, it's like 400 words or something, which is not a lot of time to explain the entire history of a scientific field. But it's like, like to, to actually make that, I had to read stuff for months. So, so like right, right now I'm doing, um, I'm, I'm working on a song about like bird evolution and sort of the, you know, birds as dinosaurs, um, and like it's actually going to be a super simple song because there's not many lyrics to it, but to to get to the point where I can explain it in as full and concise a fashion as I want to, I need to go all into all these crazy scientific papers and learn stuff about learn crazy crazy words like pedomorphosis, which I'm not actually going to ever use. But it's like it's like this. Like, I don't know. The songs are almost an excuse for me to discover new fields. So, like, now I understand all this stuff about, like, how, like, heterochrony and, and like, how time, 
like you can evolve just by delaying or pushing ahead like the the time frame of certain parts of development and like that's not going to make it into the video probably or if it does it'll be one word but the fact that i know that entire field means that i can use precisely the right word or precisely the word that fits with that stupid three syllable melody that <laughs> needs to have a very particular phonetic structure i don't know but a lot of the time it's just me like reading papers or like wikipedia articles and looping the melody around in my head and then i'll see a word that's like oh that fits there and i sort of build it around little puzzle pieces i guess and which is the longest step the editing because i'm always impressed by just how much is always going on in the editing and sort of the filming or does the pre-production take longer i mean i just watch it and i'm like wow how many man hours did tim need for that it's weird i think the like the video editing takes the longest in terms of actual hours worked but a lot of the times the pre-production takes just as long like over time because I'll get an idea and then get really frustrated with it, right? Because I I get maybe one verse and I don't know what to do from there or I don't understand something and I don't have time because I'm spending all my time video editing something else. So, I mean, that the Exoplanets video is two years old. Like, it, it started, yeah, it started just about two years ago and it's been brewing ever since and coming together in little bits. So, like, it's pretty impossible to calculate the hours for that, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Do you like so do you you I guess you have way more ideas for things than you actually are able to produce? I would say that is definitely the case. I once counted them and that was like over half a year ago and they were easily 400. Whoa. But then wow. But some but but some are things like what if I was a pumpkin which kind of <laughs> okay, <laughs> makes you, me Okay, hold on. You can't just say that. And <laughs> let it pass on to the next thing. What is... Wh- um, what if you were a pumpkin? <laughs> what if you were a pumpkin? <laughs> so the way that originated... So I, I like sketching from time to time just to relax. And I can't remember... Quite, oh yeah, what was I doing? I was drawing my little sheep character as if it were a pumpkin because it was Halloween and somehow <laughs> that made sense. And then I thought, whew, what if I was a pumpkin? What if humans, instead of animal cells, suddenly had plant cells? What would the differences <laughs> between that be? And what if I was orange? So <laughs> it probably could be quite interesting if developed, but I also kind of go back and read that and think, Ines, what are you thinking? Is that even an idea? <laughs> That's great, though. Uh, I I mean, yeah. I mean, I I have I have video ideas that are stupider than that for sure (laughs) that will never see the light of day i actually have two ideas which i'm like i keep thinking maybe i should say these to tim he'll probably think this is crap but now that we're talking um i will will post them anyway um so one i thought would be really really cool is to have simon and garfunkel's sound of silence but instead of that called the bounds of science Oh, and then, hmm. and probably exploring the concept of, I don't know, science is kind of a lot of darkness and you're slowly trying to push the boundaries of what you know. Hmm. Um, and the other one, and this is like really a silly idea, but I kind of love it anyway. So, you know, the song Euphoria that won Eurovision a few years ago? Um, no, I don't think I do. 
maybe, maybe it never made it to our shores. Tom, do you know that song? The only, I think the only, um, like, I guess kind of Commonwealth country that really knows Eurovision outside of the UK is Australia. It may well be for the best. Um, I can send you the song afterwards. I, I don't dare embarrass myself by trying to sing without actually checking what I sound like saying this first. Um, but it basically goes, you know, euf- uh, euphoria quite a few times and about going up, up, up. Okay. So kind of, you know, traditional, maybe not rave song, but kind of a very party-ish song with very clear Euro roots to it. Okay. Um, but there's a plant called Euphorbia, which is really important <laughs> in plant evolution. <laughs> and they also grow. <laughs> so I was like, I would love for there to be a plant song called Euphorbia <laughs> to the sound of that. That's, that's very, it's very niche. And I love it. <laughs> there's um, I, like my, I think my worst science song that I'm probably never going to do is that I would love to do a Wonderwall parody about Vanderwall's forces, because it it would not it would not be very good because it's not a very good song. But at the same time, I think like it would probably get some traction though. Because that's a thing. Like ever since I knew that that word existed, I can't even read it without the melody of that song. <laughs> I mean, Adessa, you. Probably improved quite a lot of songs from the original set <laughs> of the ones you've done. Um, Thanks. So I say go for it. <laughs> oh dear, I'll try. Now, now it's a race against time because the the good the good science songs actually do get snapped up. Like mm-hmm. defining gravity, I found out afterwards I wasn't even the first person to do that, which is you know not surprising. <laughs> yeah, but we should we should like I don't know I should have like a Google Doc or something that I can just add a bunch of people to and be like, hey, if you've got a song idea, throw it. <laughs> throw it out into the world. It's not a bad idea. And you can see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would love it because in my head it looks like, you know, it would be this really cool and geeky thing. But um, then I think about, hmm, what if I did it? Um, I don't really know much singing and I certainly know nothing about audio mastering for songs and stuff. Hmm. So I could probably come up with the lyrics and be like, you know, back dancing and stuff like that but <laughs> not the actual important part of the song you do just making it sound good do you do like choreography by any chance um not so much anymore but i used to really love dancing mm. um and i sort of tried my hand <clears throat> my frog is coming back <laughs> um i used to do a bit of break dancing and i did cheerleading so i think that's really kind nice of influenced the way i really like to dance um, I've not done it in ages, but I do think, I don't know, it's not quite synesthesia, but if I hear music, I will often have in my head what the dance to that music should look like. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I'm definitely out of practice now because <laughs> PhD and draw curiosity and just not really having time for anything <laughs> means I don't dance so much, but mm. well, I, you I can... like dancing. I, I feel like what I'm trying to do in life is just slowly subsume all of my interests into one project. <laughs> so, like, it, I've, and there's some that aren't there yet, but I, I don't know. I, I'm always on the lookout for that. So, I don't know, maybe you'll get get some insight, insight into, like, the kinematics of dancing. <laughs> you can pull that in. So there is one thing I want to do as well, which, you know, have you heard of Dance Your PhD? Oh, I've, I I don't think I have. I've seen Draw Your PhD. So Dance Your PhD, um, 
It is, as you may imagine, one of the most geekiest and best science competitions ever. (laughs) Uh, Where if you're doing a PhD or you've completed one, you can take part and you have to basically dance something that illustrates what your PhD is all about. And you get things from people who actually write the lyrics, sort of they will redo a song or just compose an original song where they describe what the PhD is about. Okay. And then they, you know, dance in very extravagant ways. Um, so I helped a friend with one on immunology. Mm. And it was such a cool production. I really, I really loved being a part of it. And I write, when I'm done, I have to do one on the kinematics of insect flight. <laughs> that I, that lends itself pretty well to a dance, probably, yeah. right? Well, I'd like to think so. It's uh, it's that time in the show again. Oh, we, uh, oh, is it that time in the show? It's that time in the show, too. Oh, I wonder what time that could be. It's that time where we take our audience to the Patreon zone. Oh, snap! <laughs> bow, 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 bow. I'm gonna, Tim. Can you talk about Patreon for a second while I get up from the desk and find out what our Patreon question oh, is? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, how much time have I got? Like twenty seconds. All right, Patreon. If you those, if you're not aware of the lovely thing known as Patreon. Um, it's a thing where you can just give us money. It's, it's basically it. It's not very complicated. You go to patreon.com slash up for discussion. And uh, if you want to give us anything as little as a dollar, I think you can do less, but we like to say as little as a dollar so that you aren't cheap. Um, then we'll, we'll like you a whole lot. And if you give us um, $5 or more per month, um, this is a, it's a renewable thing. So watch out. You don't want to only have $5 and then two months later, you're $5 in the hole. But if you, if you can spare five whole dollars a month, that's American dollars, I think, yep. then you can uh, ask us questions and stuff. And then you get to direct a little bit of how this podcast goes. So it's Tom. Yeah, I'm back. What is our patron question? <laughs> our for Patreon today? question from this week comes from our longtime patron in front of the show, Patrick. Who, uh, Patrick, what a great man, great man. <laughs> Good boy, sweet, soft Patrick wants to know if we could go back to when they first started having currency and replace coins with something else, what would we do? Mm. So like if we could, if, if money could be not coins, if what you would could we want it to be? choose a thing to, for all your patrons to throw at you on a monthly <laughs> basis that isn't money. I kind of really want a bunch of chicks now. Hmm. Do they change value depending on how much they're peeping? <laughs> I think so. If they, the more they peep, the the more they're cheap, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and if if you grow them to adult chickens, uh, they're no longer valuable as chicks, but you can trade those eggs for stuff. I, you, I presume you could also trade the chickens. Well, yeah, but then you don't have those nice eggs. Mm, it's true. Inis, are you still there? Uh, yeah. I was just, I was just like, like, wait, like well, where do we go from here? Well, <laughs> I was just thinking, where are my chickens so I can start throwing them at people? Mm. Chickens are good. I mean, that's sort of, isn't that just like a very specific barter system? Like, <clears throat> the, th- the thing with money is that it is arbitrary, right? Like, you're just, you're just agreeing that this is worth a certain quantity of your labor slash time slash mental energy, right? So, right. Yeah, I guess it's it's you gotta have something that you can't replicate, <clears throat> and that you, uh, y- yeah, like, y- like you can't copy it or, or forge it, and it, it 
you can't just like go and find it somewhere easily and be like, yo, I got all this money. Um, Ooh, but what about vegetarians? As currency? No, as vegetarian. <laughs> vegetarians paying the chickens. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to eat the chickens. The chickens appreciate, they appreciate in value as you keep them alive because they keep giving you those nice eggs. And then you can like, the yeah, the point is not to eat your money. It's to trade it. You don't, it doesn't need to be valuable to you. You just need to be able to give it to other meditarians. And then, yeah, I, I think about it as uh, in Harvest Moon 64. <laughs> no, no, you, you don't. Could, I do. You could, you could raise chickens on your farm. You could have up to six chickens, I think. Uh, and you got a chicken and it started out as a little chick and then it grows up because uh, you feed it those nice grains. And then once it's an adult chicken, every two days it lays an egg. Uh, and you can either sell that egg for money or put it in an incubator to hatch another chick, right? Mm -hmm. So those chickens, you basically have to make a call at any given time if you want to incubate more chickens or sell your eggs. See, the problem the problem with chicks is that they don't fulfill the standard of not being replicable. So, like, you can, you're just going to inflate the currency by raising a mother chicken and having lots of baby chicks. Yeah, but you also have to, like, eat eggs. Uh, this is a yeah. world where the only food is eggs. Mm. In that case, the, the vegetarian or at least vegan question is salient. Well, you can eat those nice grains that, that the chicks eat if you're a vegan. Mm, yeah, now you're contradicting your premise. Well, I mean, the only good food is eggs. If you had to choose between eggs and, and chicken feed, which would you choose? Chicken feed is basically just bread in an unaltered form. Sure. If you had to choose between bread and eggs for the rest of your life, which would you rather have? Probably bread. Really? Yeah. It's so much less nutritious. Maybe with oil, if I can have oil. No, no oil. I can squeeze oil out of the chicks. Gross. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nothing Ace, I like better than a good oily chick. And Ace, do you have a way to make this conversation less stupid? <laughs> I well, I don't, I don't know. I was going to say, um, which comes first in that currency, the chicken or the egg? Hmm. If if we go, how far back in time are we going? If you get dinosaur chicks, do they count? Um, before before the birth of currency in humans. <laughs> Mm. I think dinosaurs were extinct before currency in humans, question mark. I mean, what if dinosaurs had currency, though? Whoa. What if they traded their chicks? That's like that's like a trap, kind mm. of. You, <laughs> you give a little dinosaur egg to someone, and you're like, this is money, I promise. And mm. then it eats them, and you take it back. I've, you've, you've lost me. <laughs> well, when it hatches, right? <laughs> it's a little hungry baby dino. It comes out. It's like not the mama, and it eats, it eats you. I was I was thinking of an uh, of an alternative form of currency. I was just thinking, what do I have a lot of that would make me very rich? <laughs> ah, thinking, that's an interesting direction to take this. And I was thinking we should totally pay with hair. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and and you'd know when someone's like invested a lot in a car or a house because it's probably be like half bald or something. Hmm. But that and, would genetically, that would favor people who, like, have good hair, presumably. Well, every form of currency favors someone, right? True. Like, That's true. You know? Yeah, because I guess if you go, if you're um, if you're someone who loses hair, how you go bald or have alopecia, then that would probably not be too good. But I guess, actually, no, because those people who go bald they are probably men and they can probably grow beards so they can pay with their beards well not if they have alopecia yeah alopecia is like it's body wide full you body you don't get no you don't get no beard out of it but like there's no reason so basically what you're saying is if they're if 
if currency was hair, there would be sort of like a built-in, um, what do you call it? Like minimum like caste system. No, no, no. Like, like what's what's that thing where everybody has enough to survive? Like basic income. Like everybody would have a basic income of what's on their head, except people with alopecia. Except people with alopecia, and maybe you'd have to find some sort of like welfare program. To have them get hair. Wealth hair. Wealth hair. <laughs> but then you could also, presumably you could work for hair too, right? It's not like it would, it's not like you'd only be able to pay with the hair on your head. So like if you, if you wanted a better standard of living, then you could like work and get hair that isn't on your body, I guess. I guess you'd be working for extensions and people would always be trying to scrounge from hairstylists. So. Would, would you have to carry all of your wealth like on your head? Like are hair banks a thing or? I, I would say so. Cause I mean, I guess if you grew a lot of hair and you don't want someone to like run past you and cut off your ponytail, then maybe you'd do that yourself and just like keep it in a drawer at home. Yeah, that would be... Uh, It'd be weird if you kept someone else's ponytail in a jar at home for a while. Mm, yeah, you've never done that. I've never had someone's ponytail in a jar. Tom's a lot, and I, you've never, you've never, you've definitely done that. I did that. When Tim, Tim and I both had long hair in high school. It was not a good look. Eventually, he cut his hair, and he gave me the ponytail for some reason. I forget why. I, just a little one. Just a, a <laughs> little... Just a little, a little lock. <laughs> a little pony boy. Um, and then I ended up putting it in a, in a box as part of a like yankee swap at a youth group event like a few years later and then this kid started running this like 14 year old kid began running around town with my hair like (laughs) poking people with it it was it was a weird experience it was a weird it was weird everyone was like why did you put tim's ponytail in a box as a secret santa gift and i was like why wouldn't i do that hmm we were giving him the gift of money. It was a treasure. Yeah. <laughs> In an alternate universe, that kid is a sultan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been trying to think of a, a good, like, different money. I don't really have anything because, like... Money's pretty perfect. I love money. Well, I I think there's, there's, like, anything that... To me, anything that isn't actually completely arbitrary, like, breaks the system of, of why there's money in the first place. Mm. So, like... Any anything that I would come up with money that I feel like actually works as money is just going to be like the equivalent of a bill or a coin that's inherently meaningless and useless, but is just like a societal promise or like, you know, blockchain or numbers in a bank account. Like it's just money is just things that people have agreed, like numbers that people have agreed to assign to each other because they've done a bunch of trades with each other for like work and or dollars from the government and all manner of other things like that's and that's kind of what it needs to actually work right because if you're if your money is anything else like we had this problem I, I i encountered this problem as a kid because me and my siblings used to build these elaborate towns in the snow where we would like carve out caves and things and live in them and then make like a whole society so we'd eat, we'd all have like businesses and like I was always the worst off because I was the youngest. So they'd take the good businesses. Like one of them would have the the <laughs> restaurant and one of them would have the like the general store. And I'd be stuck like trying to get them to come visit my bowling alley and they didn't like bowling. So eventually I got broke and they threw me in jail. But we were used for coins. We Why were didn't used- you just open a jail? Well, I'd be the only <laughs> like who's going to pay me to but put if me you in open jail? the jail, you get to also be the cop. Well, and the then pro- you can arrest your siblings. 
the th- the thing was that the, our our coins in that circumstance were these like pine cones that were on a nearby tree. Pine coins. And we ended up just having massive problems because when I got into debt, I just go and scoop up some pine cones. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, well, you know, now your now your money doesn't mean anything. So I don't know. Yeah, that's why I'm twenty thousand pine cones in debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, well, that was an interesting question. Yeah. If you guys want to ask interesting questions, you can go to patreon.com slash up for discussion, pledge us a minimum mm-hmm. $5 a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a limited perk, limited to one person. You can still name the bear. If you want to name the bear, $40. Oh, yeah. And Ace, are, are you on Patreon or anything like that? Um, I technically have one. I haven't actually released it yet. Okay. Um, so I exist on Patreon, but I don't know. I've been putting off releasing it because it's a mixture of there's a very particular video I wanted to release it with okay um which is the one where I went to CERN because I just felt like there was a perfect segue at the end to go into Patreon um but also I don't know I'm always looking for other forms of funding and Mm -hmm. um I do have one sponsored video that's coming out next week and it's kind of like it probably will look bad to ask for money right when I'm receiving money for something else, even though it's nowhere near enough to keep Draw Curiosity going. So yeah, that's it's one of those things where I'm like, Ugh. oh, and the other thing is how do I do it? Because I know you do it per video, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have, you I can, post more than once a month. But you can do it monthly. You can have like a monthly <laughs> charge. That's what we do for the podcast. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think like monthly, if, if you're, if you're like on any sort of schedule or you're doing, even if you're doing it semi-regularly, like monthly is great. The reason, the only reason I don't do monthly, because it'd be a lot more convenient for me to like know how much money I have on any given month. But I, I wouldn't charge. I, I just don't want to charge people when I take three months to make something. It's like, well, that's that's my fault. So yeah, I think I think my concerns is more. I know I'm going to, you know, I've got these episodes ready. I'm just slower editing them whilst doing phd at the same time mm-hmm. so like sometimes you'll get three things in one month sometimes you might just get one and that feels a bit unfair and then i also try to think of other ways that would make it fair like should it be per i don't know what if i guarantee 20 minutes of content even though it means i drop one 20 minute video or two 10 minute videos <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could work but then you got to hold yourself to that right yeah exactly <laughs> like, if i if i can make one suggestion in terms of crowdfunding it's all add up all the things that it requires you to do and make sure you can actually do them. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the problem with, with Patreon perks is that you can easily think like, or, or yeah, like, Oh, I can, I can do that. That wouldn't take too much time. The problem is that if you're actually much more successful than you think you're going to be, then you didn't think about the fact that now it means you're going to spend 10 times as much time fulfilling all the things for people. That's why so. like most of our perks for the podcast integrate directly into the podcast. So yeah. it's like, you know, this, you know, for $5 people can give us things to talk about. It's like, cool, we're already going to be talking about stuff, so it doesn't add extra workload, right? Yeah. Yes. So I did I did pop the question of what do my what do you think of Patreon uh, on one of my videos and mm-hmm. the responses were very nice and most people just said They'd probably be happy to donate, but they didn't actually want any perks or the perks they wanted were something like a monthly live stream, which mm-hmm. I think actually would be quite doable. Um, so I'm just always deciding whether it should be per video. And if it's per video, then it should be 
maybe not for vlogs and maybe for not for snippet sciences so for mm-hmm. videos that are of a significant length that you mm-hmm. you know you take something home with right. it something that you feel is really like your your hero content as it were <laughs> yeah hub, hub and hero but not the kind of not the shorter filler content mm-hmm. i guess yeah. <laughs> are you so when you when you get out of your phd what is your plan are you gonna like jump into like full-time this kind of thing um, I really do want to do it full time. Um, the more I do Joe Curiosity, the more I'm like, God, I really love doing this. <laughs> um, and I think the f- I think the freelance lifestyle fits me in the sense like I, I do pretty well at making myself stressed and always trying to find where I'm going to get uh, the next batch of money after funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quite like working on my own stuff and on my own terms. And I also feel I have enough ideas to keep me going. So I'm not worried about, you know, the channel running out of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been thinking about how I can best integrate this and if I should have some kind of business model. So should I also <laughs> be doing other things on the side? Like, should I make a product or should I, I don't know, do some kind of small bit of science consulting that basically just allows me to fund Draw Curiosity and then it's officially a hobby because it doesn't make as much money and then I will enjoy it more and I'll have a perfect life. Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the whole but, perfect life thing might be a, a, yeah. a little bit pie in the sky. But I would like I would really encourage you to like take it on full time for a little while, especially like if you've, you've got some savings you don't mind losing, <laughs> like <laughs> which is basically what I did. Um, you know, take it on for a little time and and see what you think of like, like actually doing it, doing the entirety of it. Because you, I don't know, you might find that you really do need other things that you're like really bored cranking out nothing but videos, or you might find that's exactly what you want to do, right? Yeah, the the perfect life I was definitely saying with like a hint of irony. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, right now I'm really thinking about how I can get other sources of income that fit Mm -hmm. in with what I like doing and fit in with what I believe my mission of statement in life should be, but also Mm -hmm. lets me do draw curiosity. So (laughs) we'll figure it out. (laughs) Well, yeah, don't shy away from Patreon and like, like crowd support then. Cause Mm -hmm. like, you know, if people want, like it's, it's purely voluntary, right? It's not like anybody who doesn't think it's worth it is going to feel slighted by like the suggestion and it might you know it might give you the the capability of actually you know making a serious go of it and having having something regular yeah although don't 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 make your content entirely exclusive to patrons because i've definitely unsubscribed from podcasts and youtube channels who are like you get like a teaser of my content here and if you want the full thing you have to pay me because i'm like no i don't want that yeah that's silly Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not going to do exclusive things. Yeah. The only thing I might do is live stream mm. with Patreons if they wanted that. But mm, yeah. I still actually would probably want to live stream with everyone anyway. So whether it be taking questions, um, although also live streaming to like your whole audience sounds really terrifying. So we'll see. It's like everything is, yeah, all elements of you in real time are are up for public viewing. Yeah. Up for discussion. Well, yeah, that's our show. <laughs> yeah. My, my boss was here the other day and I had sent him an episode of the podcast and he's like, so you guys just kind of talk about like whatever comes up, right? Like I guess it's all just kind of on the table. It's all up for discussion. And then we looked at each other and high-fived. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, 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 
a fun moment. Little moments like these. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we're coming up on our hour mark. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there a yo? Do you have a question or like a, fi- a final topic? No, or, I was just yeah. <laughs> that, um, that was mostly the statement. Yeah, and Ace, do you have any? Um, are there any any other things you're like dying to discuss, or you think would be particularly interesting? Um, not really. Although you mentioned boss, so that makes me wonder: what job do you have? Do you talk about your job? <laughs> uh, I talk. I talk vaguely about my job. I am. Uh, <clears throat> I work from home for a small company that's owned by a friend of mine, uh, where I am the office and operations manager and do a lot of the work on the floor. So cool. And there's yep. there's the amount of details we're gonna put into that. Yeah, exactly. I sh- I, basically, I I pack and ship things for a living out mm. of my own house, and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, and then I do a lot of like freelance stuff on the side as well. And you, Tim, are you full time or you kind of small yeah. freelance jobs? Yeah, so? I I I'm managing the the full time life, which is like it's pretty much just Patreon that allows me to do that because. Like I I don't I don't really know of any other revenue model that would work until brands start caring about marketing exclusively to like this weird niche that I've got. Like it, I there's not a lot of like opportunities for like brand integration and stuff in what I do that is fairly appropriate. So my I mean my main sources of income are Patreon and like science foundations and stuff that are like, we want to promote ourselves or something. Um, yeah, because I saw you've you've done Google making and science. I wonder, I don't know, I feel you could probably pull off like a small concert tour, like Tim Blay live. <laughs> so so I'm actually like next month, I'm, I'm heading out to the West Coast and I'm doing a concert at the University of British Columbia. Um, so oh, that's, sweet. that's kind of my test run. Um, but I was... I was actually thinking like if I wanted to try and do a concert because the way I'm doing this one is actually my my like old acapella group that I joined when I lived in Vancouver for a summer. Um, they're like we're like reuniting and like they're do- we're doing some stuff together. Um, and then I'm also going to do like, you know, instruments and like live looping and stuff like that. But I was thinking what sort of people could I get to actually like tour this kind of thing with? And almost all the ones that I can think of are in the UK. <laughs> like, so I don't know. It's possible that I might think about like, you know, could I get, um, you know, Simon and like Sam Robson and Helen Arney and maybe you and <laughs> like get us together and like do a do a small circuit of UK universities. I don't know. That might be something to think about down the pipes, but later down the line. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I do not know, but you know, yeah, I've, I've got like long-term goals like that. Um, did did Next Up YouTube Next Up give you any ideas or good advice in that regard? I think yeah, I should be more <laughs> integrating that. <laughs> stuff. I've been nagging him about it for months. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, YouTube so. Yeah, patron or people listening to this, they don't know if you don't know. Inace also did YouTube Next Up, which we've talked about on previous episodes. Oh, cool! But you did it um, in the UK, I guess. Uh, yeah, London one, but we did it at the same time, which was so cool. It's oh. like um, across the pond, high five. That's great. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, and you, YouTube Next Up, they they have these things where they talk about like your different tiers of content, where there's like the hero content, which is your crazy projects that take months, and then your hub content, which is like regularly scheduled things, and then what was the other one? It's like home content. Home. Uh, They're like the help one. I thought help. Oh yeah, which yeah. is like a combination of like like Q and A's and like who am I and casual stuff. And I, then I realized that all of my content was hero content yeah. and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have plans to do some like some interview type stuff, like kind of like what what you've done on occasion. Although what I really want to do is have more like longer conversations like this and yeah. just just put them on the Internet because I'm finding myself pretty constrained in terms of what I can talk about in a song. Right. Um and it would be a great sort of source of ideas, too. So getting that off the ground is something that I should be doing. Um, we've had other ideas for stuff like uh, like sort of more of a, a newsy type science show. Um, a show where he does an entire like rewriting of the musical Newsies to be about science. Yeah, that's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time. But he Christian bailed on that idea. Yeah, well. but i'm yeah i don't know there's like six different possible futures rolling around in my head so we'll see i guess cool yeah but if you want to if you want to brain brainstorm anything off air i'm I'm happy to because i really want you to succeed and just make like acapella sciences all the time yeah well i mean you totally selfish interest you're you're, kind of blowing up if i if i may say so like you're already about a third of the way to my subscriber count and you've been at this for like you know not all that long um so i yeah i would i would love to see you be like the new big thing like i remember discovering physics girl way back in the day when she like did her first couple of videos and like the green brothers supported her a little bit and i was like this is going to be big but it's not big <laughs> yet and now it is and i'm happy about it um, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been. I I tend to promote you to like bigger YouTubers I come across. I'm like, hey, do you you know you know about her? Is she a thing on your radar? So we'll see. Let's keep 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 in touch. Cool, we will do. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week. Yeah. And uh, if you guys want to find an ace on the internet, you can find her on YouTube at Draw Curiosity uh, and on Twitter at uh, Inace Laura Dawson. Is that right? Sweet. Um, You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash up for discussion. Follow us on Twitter at downwithtalking and individually at Tom Zalatani and at Acapella Science. And at Know the Other Simon, who is absent today. Simon is not here because we... Because it's early in the morning. It's a Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Basically the reason. Oh, man. Ines, thanks so much for uh, being cool about the the mix-up with Daylight Savings Time also. (laughs) No worries. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I had like a minor panic attack when you sent that text. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was like, well, I'm at home anyway. So, yeah, I'll just take a bit longer to set up. It'll be fine. Yeah, it Mm. worked out. Cool. Well, thanks so much. And uh, guys, Thank we'll you see guys. you uh, soon. This was episode 97 oh, of Up for Discussion. Snap. And episode 98 will be up probably later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coin chickens. I thought you had a song planned. That was it. That was all I got. Tune in next week when we interview Poochie. <laughs>